The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Gilderland Public Library, its staff, or board of directors. Welcome back to the August episode of How Did You Find It? at the Gilderland Public Library. A couple of quick uh, library updates for you. The library will be closed for Labor Day weekend, so we will be closed Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, September 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And after that, we will be open on Sundays again for the fall and winter. Also, the library will be hosting a blood drive, Red Cross blood drive, on September 13th from 1 to 6. Um, please, if you can give blood, do. Uh, uh, there is still a shortage. All right, so some programs going on at the library. The summer reading program finale for kids and families will be on August 24th at 4 p.m., uh, you can register on our website and find out more about it. It's the Undersea Jamboree. September 8th, for adults, there's the Gilded Age Rises Again. It's a history program about the Gilded Age and um, the local history of Gil the Gilded Age. And we have a couple of series coming up. Starting on sep September 9th and going for four weeks, is building a journaling practice and if you register for the September 9th you'll be registered for all four dates and we also have a series history of the Constitution which starts um, the first day to September 13th and that will run uh, there are six meetings of that so if you check our calendar I believe if you register for the first one of that you'll also be registered for all six so uh, that's what we've got upcoming. Please check our calendar for more information. There's definitely going to be more programming coming up, but that's what we got so far. A couple of highlights for you today. This month on the show, uh, we have a talk about, have your kids been reading? How do we get kids and families and adults to read a little more? What can we do to encourage reading? And Christina's got another episode of Going Places. We'll find out where we're going today. <laughs> Uh, now on with the show. Welcome back to How Did You Find It at the Gilderland Public Library. I'm joined now with Amy McCarthy and Brianna Wachowitz, and we're going to talk about how it's not too late to get your kids reading this summer, or to get yourself reading this summer. Never That's too late. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not too late. We didn't. We didn't miss it. No, <laughs> no, we haven't missed it. That's good to hear. <laughs> okay, so how do we get kid? How do we get kids or ourselves reading? Is it too late? Let's see. We, I mean, we don't only read in the summer. We read all year round. So we do talk about the idea of uh, getting kids back in the habit of reading because in school, obviously, they're going to read a lot. They're going to be tested on their reading comprehension. And so practicing that those skills over the summer will, you know, get their mind flowing for school once it starts up again in September. So it's a good idea to keep that going. But like I said, we read all year round. So of course it's not too late. We can always pick up a book and keep going. Yeah. So the idea of the summer slide, Brianna and I have talked a little bit about this and this comes up for children's librarians we um we know that teachers get a little concerned that where kids left in june at that skill level they're not necessarily going to come back in september at that same skill level um 
they will have forgotten some things um, and reading over the summer helps build their vocabulary and it helps that muscle get strengthened as far as uh, reading comprehension and understanding. So we partner with the school district and we get their summer reading list and we make sure to order those books and have them prominently displayed in the children's section so that we have as many of the books available as possible for various classes. What I really love about the Gilderland School District is that the school librarians put that list together and they really focus on not, maybe you remember when you were a kid, the summer reading list maybe was like a bunch of old classics you didn't want to read, they weren't interesting, but the school librarians have been really great about putting together lists of books that came out this year that will really have, you know, interest for kids and ones that we can actually order and get at the library that are out of print. So they do a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the different types of books, they make um, a point to add, keep uh, graphic novels on there because kids love graphic novels, so they don't shy away from that. They include them. Mm-hmm. And really fun nonfiction books, too. Mm-hmm. Like ones that, I mean, I brought a couple of them home and my kids just picked them up and were like flipping through them because mm-hmm. they're just fun. They're interesting. They've got cool covers. They've got cool. High interest inside. nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. Nonfiction is not as boring as it was when we were kids. Yeah. There's so many more pictures and real life pictures, and it they're, they've done a great job with the nonfiction for kids these days. I think a great tip to get your kids to read is, of course, we're going to say this, but it's true, is bringing them into the library because it's about choice and just having you know, we've got a huge section there where we have all the nonfiction, we have all the graphic novels, the fiction, you know, being able to choose what's really interesting to you and then bringing home 10 books and, you know, maybe something in there will actually be interesting and they'll want to read. So it's getting all those choices and just inspiration for what they're interested in. Yeah. About a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, my eight-year-old did yell at me, I hate reading! But you both saw her on Saturday. Did she look like a kid who hates reading? No. <laughs> she was so enthusiastic about the all the graphic novels and all the choices. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely... Just, yeah. Adding to that pile, we saw that happen, you know, the pile, <laughs> as as you can carry home. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yes. So that is a great way to, so uh, my kids will read lots of graphic novels, but they're not really, and they'll look at like nonfiction books that have lots of pictures. But, uh, you know, my older one is going into fifth grade and more and more of their homework is larger text blocks and, you know, reading comprehension and pulling information out of that. And uh, if you noticed the books we took home, we didn't take home anything that will help her practice that. (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) Well, I'm always a fan of read alouds. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kathleen, you and I have talked about that as well as having an opportunity to read aloud to kids, even when they're doing something else. And this works with little children and for older kids, if they're doing a craft project and or they're drawing or kids are playing on the floor with blocks or whatever, and you're reading aloud, often kids will quietly attend to that. They they really like that. So I would always recommend read alouds, no matter the age of the kids, if they can stand it. I know your oldest cannot stand it. No, no. The 15 year old, it drives her crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but that's no, okay. <laughs> thank you. Yes. 
So if she <laughs> is off doing something else. <laughs> you can do that with an audiobook and getting the physical book at the same time, where you kind of go back and forth or listen while you're looking at the text at the same time. Yeah. I also think um, bringing home a variety of books, like you did the other day when your family was in, you picked a huge pile. They, they did, you did. And having a variety of things there that, and just putting them out, no pressure, no like, I mean, if this works, but no like you must read or you have to read 15 minutes or I wouldn't suggest that over the summer. It's more like having the books there and a variety of interesting things so that they're going to be drawn to them on those quiet moments when, you know, nothing else is going on and you have a pile in, you know, a area let's say in the living space in the living room that everybody can have access to then they're just kind of out there you know the like i said the juvenile nonfiction is high interest with those pictures and the you know the weird but true books and the the whale versus squid books and you and um kids are just drawn to them that's what i would suggest um what else what else Oh, I have a question and I'm going to tie it into the actual like summer reading logging. So for kids who are grade school age, they, they read and log how many minutes they spent reading, right? That's fourth grade and up. Fourth they grade and up. They can do minutes. Yeah. Okay. Kind of chose that as a line between the, you know, you can get through a reader book much mm -hmm. quicker than a chapter book or an, even an early chapter book. So kind of kind of evening out their prize winning <laughs> capabilities there. Uh -huh. Okay. So if you are fourth grader up and you spend 10 minutes looking through the shark versus squid book, even if you didn't read it page one to page 20, mm -hmm. you can still count 10 minutes, right? So oh yeah, any mm -hmm. kind of like flipping through, spending time, Mm -hmm. absorbing books can count as minutes read oh yeah awesome. mm -hmm. reading to a younger sibling reading to the dog reading to the cat <laughs> reading to your goldfish it all of that counts and rereading reading, too you know younger kids yeah. really like the repetitiveness the same story and that's how they <laughs> learn <laughs> read nice okay yeah, so you can track the same book multiple times and those read alouds let's say parents are reading picture books to kids at night all those count so when you're having books read aloud to you, those books count. Listening, audiobooks we count. Yes, yeah, um, so the part of the summer reading is the Beanstack mm -hmm. app, which families can get on. It, it It's pretty easy on the phone. And then the fun thing is that you can just scan the um, books ISBN barcode on the back in order to track it. You don't necessarily have to type in the title and stuff. So nice. that's nice. That is nice. And then you can track series you've read, right? So then if you're like, I think I left off on book four of that series, but I can't remember, <laughs> you can look at your bean stack and say, oh, yeah, we did. We we need to read book five next. Right. Yes. yes. I mean, that's another way that gets kids reading is these series in <laughs> J-fiction. You know, they've got 15 books in a series. And once they start liking that series, they just want to read all of them. Mm -hmm. True. And I would say bringing home um, books that are not necessarily just on their grade level so exactly what level they're supposed to be reading this year um we often have people come in asking saying you know the child is on the ln level we don't we don't level the books we that never way. yeah we never know because every school's different every publisher is different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're all do it differently and we're not following that necessarily any schools 
pacing of that, but having books available for kids that are e that are easy for them so that they can feel like they've achieved something and they can feel good about their reading. Like, um, see, I do have skills. Everything isn't a challenge. Every book they open doesn't, shouldn't be a challenge for them. So I would always recommend having some, some old favorites along with some new materials. Leisure reading. Well, I mean, like picture books can be great for that. You know, the, I mean, especially, I mean, some picture books are pretty hard reading right they're really geared for an adult to read to a child mm -hmm. and so being too old for a picture book quotes yeah but being able to read it yourself means that you really you're like the grown-up not the kid right true true yeah because picture books so readers have what we call controlled language so they'll only use um certain um like they're trying to teach kids maybe a, a sound, uh, like a short letter A or whatever. So they'll use a, a certain number of words in a reader so that kids can um, read them pretty easily. But in picture books, they don't have those um, control sets. So it can be any, any amount of vocabulary you can find in picture books. So they are a little harder, actually, for young readers. All right, now I have a different question about kids and reading. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to pump you guys for information, everything I can get. If you have a kid who is maybe uh, 11 and is a really strong reader and is, you know, level wise, if we're going to talk about levels, ready to move into like the YA section, mm. how do you know which books will still be like thematically appropriate versus being sort of... Uh, stuff they shouldn't or you know don't need to be worrying about yet right <laughs> yeah we usually do say the difference with the way rome is themes versus and content versus mm -hmm. reading level because the YA room at the Gildan library is designed to be grades eight nine and up mm -hmm. so it probably would be uh an interest i probably would just stick into the stay in the j fiction you know we've got a lot of chapter books that are getting longer and longer so i probably would stay in there for 11 year old for a while yet just mm -hmm. pick out the thick ones with like smaller font <laughs> <laughs> there might be things like lord of the rings or that might be a little scary but the hobbit they you know there could be yeah. there are some things that are classics that are challenging uh for strong readers mm -hmm. um I'm trying to think of Madeline Lengel's series. Uh, oh. Like all I can think is a wind, the wind in the door, but that's like the second or third <laughs> book in the series. Wrinkle in time. Wrinkle the wrinkle in time. In time. Thank go. you. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then what if they're really into like that super cool new YA book? Like it's so cool. Well, that hand, <laughs> it is also the parents' decision. Like if they really want to find the book, we'll help them find a book. But know that they, you know, I know parents can help them check that out if they want or not and there's usually resources online like we don't we haven't read every book so we won't know exactly what's in them but usually there's some resources online you can check you know goodreads somewhere like that just to see what's mm -hmm. in there just if you want to know there's a website called common sense media also that they review books and they they're speaking to parents or caregivers and they're saying these are the uh, elements that might be you might find in this book uh, violence or um, language or things like that. And so common sense media is a place to check if you're curious. 
that about so now I've home. noticed you have to log in. You used to have unlimited oh, really? lookups, and now you have to, oh. I think, create an account. I'm like, ah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, okay. they have limited that now, which is oh. tough. But Yeah, they used to be yeah. a great resource for that. It still can be, but right, you have to, I don't know, come use the public library computers. I wonder if that there tracking would, I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Common Sense Media, I mean, Goodreads is fantastic for that, too. But Common Sense Media also has, like, kids' ratings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can be like, well, parents say you should be 16, but kids say yeah. you should be 12. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes, it's always like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get a good sense of what's happening. <laughs> Anything else we need to, I feel like we've covered a lot of, like, how to keep people reading and do you have any other tips or tricks or information that we should be sharing with people? A lot of this comes back to use the resources your library has to offer, including take-home kits and programs and just the fun things as well. Like we lend out uh, video games and we lend out uh, like the playaways that kid, you can wear around your neck and listen to with headphones. We lend out things like fishing poles and you can get your fishing license. So we offer things beyond just books to read. And so even coming in for those things is kind of a gateway to get you to come in and then check out. Also, we visited the local schools um, this summer and there was a great response with parents coming in and kids coming in to get the things that we told them about, because obviously children aren't going to know everything that the library has to offer. And so going to them and telling them and showing them, they got really excited. And parents, I, I remember one parent coming right in with the handout that the child was given in their mailbox at school and was like, I need these wonder books that we, you told the kids about. And um, so there's almost immediate response when we do re you know outreach to families and to kids. So coming in to check out what the library has to offer, because you're going to be amazed. It's not like it was when... Maybe you were young. <laughs> Talk about that all the time on your podcast. Yes, also. I know. Well, my 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 nerdy librarian brain always is like, well, if you come in for the fishing poles, then you need a book on like how to go fishing or what you need to know <laughs> to go fishing fish, or yeah. like a yeah. guide to the fish you might catch. Yeah. And then what it's like, in this area. right. Or you mm -hmm. use one of the museum passes and then you're like, well, there was this artist there. And is, are there any books about that artist? Can we learn yes. more or see yes. more of their artwork? Yes. It's all about cross-referencing. <laughs> you can expand on any question you have come mm -hmm. to the library yeah and if you really have a reluctant reader then okay well we're going to read a book about fishing before we go fishing or a biography of sonic the hedgehog before we play the video game one thing we did at the in the children's section in the last year is we reorganized the picture books so that they're available and um in categories versus just coming into a wall of all the books alphabetical by author's last name. Now they're in categories like vehicles and growing up. And the hope there is that it would make the collection more accessible to young, to children, but also to the parents. And so things like that, like that they, they know exactly where to go for their favorite character. So they have ownership over um, their library. That's an important thing. Those kids that come running right in and they know right where, well, the fish tank, but also where the graphic novels are. So they run right over and, they, you know. Yep. 
Yes, they only have to ask once where the graphic novels are, and right. then they're right there. <laughs> it's good you put them in the back so that you have to go through, like, the fiction to get to the graphic novels. It's like how the grocery store puts yes. the milk in the very back corner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't intentional <laughs> that you say that. Something I've noticed publishers doing, and I'm sure they have their own reasons, but they've been doing graphic novel versions of chapter books. So now Percy Jackson has mm-hmm. the graphic novel oh. versions huh. and all sorts of series like that. So that's kind of a, you know, you can start them on the graphic novels, but they only have the first two out. So if you want to know the rest of Percy Jackson, you got to grab yeah. the chapter oh. books. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's pretty good. And it's the same story. Like the, it's just the graphic novelization of like the first Percy Jackson book. And... Yep. Yep. Nice. Exactly. They've got those, the Wings of Fire series. Who else? I mean, the Babysitter's Club. Oh, oh my goodness. That is huge. Sure. Yes. Yeah. yes. I actually would be interested popular. to know how many people then follow up with the yeah, I wonder. chapter books. Yeah, that was a really good um, collaboration there. Anything else we should be? Oh, Avi, I forget what your style of reading was. Oh, the spiral of reading. <laughs> well, I don't know where I came across this, so I apologize if you know there's someone out there like hey that's my thing i wrote my right. thesis on Trademark. That. <laughs> Trademark. That's mine. Um, but i came across this idea somewhere that children learning to read think of it as like an upward spiral and um you know the as you're coming up the spiral that's like you're gaining new vocabulary and you're gaining new skills and new um uh, ability to read longer you, you know you're strengthening your attention span for reading and then as you come across the front of the spiral and then it starts dipping down in the back that's when you're just you go back to your old favorites so it's like any skill we have we you know we struggle to learn the new skill but then we also want to um, just do something that isn't a struggle so then they'll kids will revert back to like easy readers or um things that they were able to read you know that they've always been able to read and so it everything is not just an upward struggle yeah work on a harder book and then you know maybe they leave that book for a week and read nothing but graphic novels that are right really little kid kind of or you know whatever it's up and down it's okay so it's a balance yeah it shouldn't all just be an upward trajectory we shouldn't expect that of kids Mm -hmm. uh we don't expect it of ourselves you know we we like to kick back with uh you know a a beach read and uh, something that isn't going to challenge us and then at other times we're ready for challenges so the last day to log reading in Beanstack for summer reading program is next week, right? Wednesday, August 24th, I think. Yes. All right. So there's still maybe time to get enough log to, you know, win a prize yes. maybe. Earn those points, win those prizes, pizza, <laughs> Ooh, ice pizza. cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the book house, the little book house and... Um, for the older kids, Arlene's art supplies. Yeah. And the very popular, the donation to the World Wildlife Federation. Oh, you get a little plush yeah. toy you get to choose to go along with that. That was very popular last year. That's very, that's really fun. I like that a lot. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think we've all learned that we can just keep reading. Just yes. keep reading. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And don't forget to model reading for kids. Oh, yeah. Well. Right. You know, if you enjoy reading, uh-huh. they will. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's true mm-hmm. just get caught reading and your kids will do it too 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having You're us. You're welcome. Thank you, Kathleen. Welcome back. We've got Christina here for another session. Are we going places today, Christina? Yeah, we're not learning stuff, but well, we'll learn some stuff, but we're going places. <laughs> awesome. We're going places now. Okay, where are we going today, Christina? Today, we are using another library museum pass to visit the Ulysses S. Grant Cottage. Last oh. time, if you recall, we visited Hildeen, which was Robert Todd Lincoln's family home in Vermont. This time, we are going over to the Grant Cottage. Very nice. Now, as I recall, um, the Hildeen was also like a summer cottage. Is the Ulysses S. Grant Cottage of the same sort of cottage, where it's actually an enormous house? No. Ah. It, is, it is indeed <laughs> a small cottage. Oh, very nice. I would say that I sort of I liked my time at, at Hildeen better. I thought it was it's kind of an impressive estate, if you will. But I feel like uh, Grant Cottage was more fascinating in some ways. It wasn't um, like a family home. Uh, Ulysses Grant's Ulysses S. Grant's story while he was there is kind of sad and interesting. So I can't wait to tell the folks at home about it. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay, so I assume that the library owns the museum pass to Grant's Cottage. We do, we do, yes. Excellent. And Grant's Cottage, I see, is a nas National Historic Landmark? It is, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure when it became one, but uh, it's a fascinating site. It's over in Gansport, New York, kind of on the way between, you know, Albany, Gilderland area up to, um, on the way up to Saratoga, I want to say. Uh, maybe 40, 30-ish, 40-ish minutes from the area. So a nice, quick little jaunt over there. Not even a day trip. I'd say half a day trip, uh, unless you want to do other stuff in the area. But you're kind of on these backcountry roads. There's signs for the site. You pull up to the site, and you kind of are going up um, a hill or a mountain. And I'm sorry, I don't know a lot of geography of the area. Like, I don't know what hill or mountain it's on. But you start driving up, like, following signs to the site. And the first thing you pass is a gigantic, defunct prison. Oh, And okay. a bunch of signs. Yeah, a bunch of signs that are like, keep out. Don't go here. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the first thing that you see uh, as you're driving up to the Grant Cottage. You go up the hill more, and there is a little place where you buy your tickets and a little store that is where you check in and you park your car and you at this point you can't see the cottage you can see the prison you're like the little store is like right on the sort of outskirts of the prison and again it's like keep out you know don't go here um and you're like all right uh you go in show your library museum pass our i, I believe our pass says it would let in two adults we were a party of three Looking at the website, cheating a little bit, I can tell you that Grant Cottage is up on Mount McGregor. So you drive up to the little, you know, doodad and you get your tickets. You don't see the cottage yet. They let us know that there's a free audio tour. Uh, you get a free app on your phone. And with the app open, you can walk these trails. And basically, um, depending, like the app geographically, if you enable location services, it knows where you are on the trail and it'll start playing... Um, an audio excerpt from Grant's life. 
I believe the trail audio tour is meant to be taken like after you don't have to, but I think it's meant to be taken after the cottage or after you watch an introductory video, but the tours, um, you know, start every certain amount of minutes and we had some time. So we took the trail tour first with this app. We didn't use the app a lot, but there's this little jaunt through the woods and basically you follow it. You come out on a big clearing on top of Mount McGregor and you can see the capital region and it's a really nice view. So is the audio on the guided audio tour from his personal memoirs or is it just adapted from general knowledge of his life? I believe it's both. They'll have, uh, they'll speak to historians and play their take, or they'll have readings from things that Grant wrote, and they'll have like a reenactor read them. It's a combination of both. Um, I believe one of the sites was like a, a niece, like an actress playing his niece, reading from something she wrote about spending, you know, some of uh, the president's last days together and looking at the beautiful view and things like that. I think there's also a, um, you know, those things where you put a coin in and it's like binoculars. It's free, but there's like one of those and you can kind of, I recall, I feel like we could find Albany from there. So that's kind of cool. Oh, that is cool. Um, so I didn't listen to every audio diary, but I did maybe two or three of them along the trail. There's a bunch. Then it was time for our tour. So you go back to the main um, visitor center where you buy your tickets and you watch a little video about the site. I was going to say Grant's life, but it's really a very specific time in his life um, where he was at Grant Cottage. And I didn't know anything about uh, what happened to Ulysses S. Grant after his presidency, um, or I didn't look up anything about Grant Cottage ahead of time. I just assumed, like Hildeen, like you asked me, that this was like a family cottage that they bought and they'd go on vacation up in the mountains, you know, upstate. <laughs> um, but that's not true. And I don't know if you know anything about Grant's time here. Not really, no. Did you know that he had, he died of like extreme throat cancer or cancer? I think I did know that. I, I, that sounds very familiar. Yeah, so this was sort of his like, his like last resting place. Like he was dying and he went here and I didn't know that. Huh. So that was kind of fascinating. Um so he was living in New York City and unlike like something that really stuck with me was like unlike today when a president retires leaves the office and they get you know secret service and they kind of get uh, some pay and they can you know they write books and they do media appearances and they're sort of taken care of and revered for the rest of their lives that wasn't true uh, after the Civil War, like those things weren't in place. And so actually, after Grant was president, uh, his family was impoverished and sort of destroyed, um, which is sad. That is sad. You know, I don't feel like a particularly uh, patriotic person a lot, but like, I was really struck by that. I was really upset that like, this man served during the Civil War. He's known for his... Um, affable or amiable relationship with many of the generals on both sides, uh, you know, that he went to uh, military school with some of the Southern generals and, and then he was president. And then when he left office, there was nothing to take care of him. And his whole family was destitute. I think his son, there's like a story about how his son attempted to 
invest in a business but got swindled and so things were even worse and then on top of it he found out that he had cancer and then the new york city air was not doing well for his health so that's sort of the preface that you get uh for grant cottage in the video before you uh before you head up to the house yeah it's it's sad right that's kind of grim okay um so one of the things that was going to save the family was writing his memoirs Mm -hmm. so we had a whole library program about about Mm -hmm. his memoirs where um librarian maria buell led a book discussion i believe they're very long um Mm -hmm. i think they're known for being uh, quite beautiful I, in the writing. I haven't read them. I don't know if you have. I have not, but I have heard, yes, he was a very um, capable and uh, talented writer, so it's apparently very good. And I mean, the period of his life is pretty fascinating too, right? And years at West Point with all of the generals on both sides of the Civil War and them becoming president it's a pretty yeah. interesting time it the visiting the site you know i never really was interested in grant as one of, like the presidents as a group of people i was never like i want to know more about grant but this made me kind of want to read his memoirs although i, yeah. I think it's maybe a yeah. couple volumes there right <laughs> maybe some selected excerpts yeah yeah so you the destitution of the family right so the family is in dire straits and they move to a cottage in upstate new york Yes, but it wasn't their cottage. It was actually a cottage that was part of a hotel in the area that I really wish, um, I wish the resort was still there. It was called the Hotel Balmoral, and it was like a luxury resort and spa with uh, electricity capacity for 200 guests. I retained all this from my visit. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I wanted to remember the name of the hotel. I looked it up on the Grant Cottage website, but uh, it could hold 200 guests. It had electricity, which was rare for the time. And then the uh, cottage was on the property as part of the hotel that guests could rent out. The hotel, unfortunately, burned down. Oh, I wow. don't recall what year. But um, then a friend of the Grant family bought the the remaining land or maybe own the hotel. I forget the details on the hotel at the time or something, but the cottage remained and they actually moved it on the site, but to a different spot on the site for Grant to come up and try to heal and finish his memoirs. So basically Grant's memoirs were the thing that was going to save his family from poverty. His son had engaged, you know, unknowingly engaged in basically a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. So they thought the mountain air would do him good. They moved him up to the cottage. And um, that's the site that you see today. So you watch this video. They're like, you're about to go into the cottage. Uh, a guy, a guide will give you a tour um, and tell you about Grant's final days there. And the joke, or I guess the comparison to Hildine is like, you know, that was the Lincoln family summer cottage, but it was a mansion, right? Which is the joke there when they tell you that. Haha, ha. this is literally a cottage where you go in and it's like four rooms and a wraparound porch. Very pretty, <laughs> very cool, but it it is a cottage. It's a not a it's not a mansion. <laughs> so our tour guide was very good. You go up to the porch at this point. You can actually the hill is pretty steep, Mount McGregor, from the, the ticket sales area to the cottage itself. You could actually drive up the hill if you want to, but we walked up the hill. Um 
And then you see the cottage, it's painted yellow with a red porch and some detailing. I wanted to ask the guide if that was the original color. So those of you listening, write into us if you get to go, ask the guide if that was the original color of the, uh, <laughs> of the cottage. I imagine it must be, it's a historic landmark. I imagine they wanna be accurate. Yeah, and it's sort um, of a very specific paint job. So like looking at the website, it's like mustard like... yellow, maroon. Yeah green yeah. is green the third color um i don't know oh yeah it looks like the shutters might be green yeah it's hard to get a good picture but anyway yeah it looks like the the walls the the walls are yellow the porch and the features are sort of red and then it looks like the shutters and like the roof or the ceiling of the porch is green mm hmm, mm -hmm. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting color scheme. I mm -hmm. imagine maybe that was the color scheme of the whole resort when it was uh, oh, yeah. doing its thing. Mm -hmm. So you walk up to the house, you go up on the big wraparound porch. Um, it's really peaceful. Um, a tour guide kind of waits for anyone who is watching the movie with you to make their way up. There's a picture of the Grant family outside on the porch. It's the, it's the same photo if you're on grantcottage.org on the homepage that's kind of in the background of the main page where it says uh, Ulysses S. Grant National Historic Landmark. It's that picture of the family that they show you and they're like, they tell you who everybody is. I don't remember. I apologize. <laughs> I think the sons are behind him. Uh, I believe his wife is in the striped dress if you're looking at the photo. Um, one of the pieces of information I forgot that I wanted to get into is, you know, in writing these memoirs, he initially didn't want to write them. I think he is very humble. Uh, I didn't know that again, like not being a person who is into civil war history or grant or whatever, you know, I, uh, I just pictured him as this, this winner who, you know, then became president kind of rough and tumble guy, but he was apparently like, uh, afraid nobody would want to read what he had to say and <laughs> that they wouldn't care about his memoirs and he was kind of like should I even do this who wants to read about me and people had to be like no people would devour this like they would love it and apparently um, his biggest champion that the, the site talks about was Mark Twain Samuel Clemens came around and was encouraging him to write and uh, just cheering him on to finish his memoirs so that's kind of cool so you go into this little cottage. Uh, I believe they show you three rooms. The first room is kind of like a, when you walk in the door, it's like his, his writing room, you know, just set up like an office. You walk into the, oh, it's, I think it's four rooms. Yeah. You walk into this first room. It's like a wooden, wooden office with a desk. You walk into the second room and it's sort of, I think it's set up like a dining room or um, sitting room. And there's a cabinet of some of his uh, original artifacts. I think some of the furniture is original in the in the cabin. And <laughs> this is, you know, I don't know, something I retained because it was fascinating. There is a jar of, um, in this room, there's a jar of cocaine water. Oh. Which was one of the only things that would give him relief in his final <laughs> days was to, to put, he like couldn't talk. He had to write a lot of things down, and the only thing that would bring him peace, because it, because it was throat cancer, was the cocaine water. Um, and the, yeah, the original 
jar of cocaine water is still there according to the tour guide it's got liquid in it and he's like yes this is his cocaine water wow that was probably my favorite thing that i saw (laughs) (laughs) history is weird you know and um i think that's why i wanted to share that is like it's he had to drink cocaine water and it's a fact and it was the only thing that could bring him peace at the time you know to relieve the pain at one point now this is where i can't remember if it's the same room or a different room but the only way he was comfortable sleeping was sitting up so they have two they he basically had two armchairs two big armchairs pushed together and he would just sleep on those and so they have those like either in that room or the one next to it pushed together to show like like there was a bed that they brought but that was kind of the only way he was comfortable um in his final days so again really sort of sad the chairs i think were original and maybe redone on the outside i feel like that's what they said so they were his chairs brought up from the city i think is what they told us (laughs) and uh then the last room is sort of like a bedroom and the last room is real weird um (laughs) It was where he passed. They had the actual bed there. It was a bed brought over from the Hotel Belmoral, I think. They brought it over. So maybe the fire hadn't happened yet when they moved the cottage. But they had the bed that he passed in, uh, you know, surrounded by his family after having finished his memoirs. And then they also have, from his death, this original floral arrangement of dried flowers. It's like in the corner of the room in a roped off section where you can't go and touch it which makes sense because it's very delicate but it's like it's actual dried flowers from his funeral the thing is huge it's like this sculpture that says like u.s grant and it looks like the gates of heaven and it's i don't know probably four feet high maybe five and it's just in complete darkness because if it was lit too much it would be like it would fall apart and it's real strange but really fascinating <laughs> so that's that in there really interesting things you don't know you're gonna <laughs> see at the grant cottage national historic landmark fortunately he did finish the memoirs you can read them today we talked about how the library did a program all about it and he did he did pass away surrounded by his family which is nice but just uh, it's really stuck with me how you know nothing is set up to take care of presidents in this time. Yeah. It's funny. Like not only was there no like um, soldiers pension, right. But there's no pension for presidents either. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I would think that a lot of presidents after they leave office now make a lot of money through things like speaking engagements and writing books, but there's a lot more, you know, business opportunities than were necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't know, right? At the time, it wasn't... Yeah, there's so much consumable media now, TV, books, uh, podcasts, events, (laughs) engagements. Yeah. Right. Well, and so many of the presidents have been so wealthy anyway that it wouldn't matter, right? Like, they're all... So many of them were doing it not for the paycheck, but just because prestige and duty, but... I know by today's standards, the job itself doesn't even pay that well, right? Like, I I think that's what they tell you is, um, I'm going to look it up. (laughs) Annual salary. So I believe 
that it is four hundred thousand dollars a year, which for you and I is like wait four hundred dollars a year? No, four hundred thousand oh, dollars okay. a year. <laughs> so that's wow. like a lot of money for you and me, but for for the stress of the that position and like having the nuclear codes and everything, <laughs> uh, it's not that much money for. Yeah. All you have to do. There's actually a breakdown here. The source is Fox Business, but they have like the annual salary from George Washington through today. So I don't know if it's adjusted for inflation, but basically they're saying like George Washington made the equivalent of $25,000 a year. Grant, uh, Rutherford B. Hayes, James Garfield, the presidents around there made about $50,000 a year. And then up through George W. Bush, Obama, Trump, and Biden, $400,000 a year. Wasn't enough to, you know, take care of him after right. he served. Or he held the office. Both, really. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, I was just struck thinking this was a family home, like like a Hildeen situation. And um, yeah. But the cottage was gifted from a family friend. The memoirs were, you know, being written and... It's where he, I didn't know, again, like thinking it was just a summer home type situation. I didn't know he died there. So it was fascinating to learn that he died in upstate New York, like not far from where we are now. All right. I'm on this website. It's the National Taxpayers Union Foundation. And they break down like the pension and, um, you know, benefits presidents get after they leave office. Mm -hmm. But the chart is only updated through fiscal year 2017. And so mm -hmm. the numbers are kind of weird, and I was just trying to make sense of it. Uh, health benefits, provided that they have been enrolled in the Federal Employees Health Benefit Program for at least five years, former presidents are eligible for health annuities. Uh, Jimmy Carter is ineligible because he only served a single term of as president and didn't hold any other federal positions. Hmm. It's weird to think that, like... Former presidents get this, except if you didn't serve enough time as president. Yeah, that kind of stinks. Yeah. Also, this was last updated 2017, it looks like. Does it say uh, anything about Grant? No. It only goes back to Gerald Ford. So that's a really interesting website. I would like to know more about who these people are and why they formed this website and organization. So that was Grant Cottage, my experience at yeah. Grant Cottage. So it definitely doesn't sound like it's as long of a visit. Like there isn't as much to do there. There isn't as much to see. No, I'd say you could probably do the whole site, especially if you don't do the trail. You could do it in uh, an hour, and that probably would include like coming, coming up the hill, parking, watching the video, and walking around the cottage because it's very small. Um, talking to the tour guide and getting this sort of preface. I think you could do all that in about an hour. If you want to include the trails, probably max of two hours. I think we didn't, they're not, it's not like there's a lot of them. There's like one or two. And I think we did sort of expedited trail situation. So I'd say that adds on 30 to, you know, 60 more minutes. So the whole thing is maybe a two hour experience. It is just a few miles from Saratoga, so maybe you make that your day. We don't have a pass to it, maybe, but maybe you pop into the Racing Hall of Fame or, you know, the Car Museum in Saratoga or the Dance Museum, Dave Matthews at SPAC, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do there. 
Yes, Ben and Jerry's. Now, is the store different than the, like, just the ice cream shop? When you say store, do they have, okay. Yeah, yeah. (sighs) But you can buy, you know, the t-shirts, of course. Mm -hmm. I love Ben and Jerry's. Yep. I wonder, I wonder if they do a museum pass. I went there once for like the tour and you get to taste ice cream and all that good stuff. Yeah. Probably only for Vermont libraries. (laughs) Maybe. Um, So admission to Grant Cottage is pretty cheap. Uh, It's $12 for adults. Again, our pass, I think includes one or two adults, but all three of us got to go for free. Uh, It includes the guided tour portion. And it says tours must arrive 15 minutes prior to their start time and tours run every 30 minutes. We didn't have to pre-call or anything. I think we just showed up and they were like, uh, did they ask something about, do you, are you already reserved or something? And we were like, no. And they were like, that's cool. We'll stick you on the, you know, 130 tour or whatever it was. We were there at one. So then we did the trails. Um, there's a note on their site. If you have the Empire Pass, it does not cover the cost of tour admission. I know some of the sites you might be able to get in with an Empire Pass, but apparently not this one. Just to let people at home know about that. And if you are a um, a Grant fan, there is at the Gideon Putnam Resort in Saratoga on October 16th, 2022 is Ulysses S. Grant's Bicentennial Birthday Gala. So mm. there's a note to save the date for that. Yeah, it looks and Grant, fancy. Grant fan reminds me of like Mike. I went with my husband, and we went with a friend. So my husband um, bought a button there that says Grant. I'm a Grant fan, and I think he bought it for a coworker who writes grants. <laughs> and he's he's an archivist at the state archive, so they're all into history. And I think it was a double joke. Like he said, they have a bunch of like Grant puns on their door some are ulysses s grant puns and some are other you know people with the name grant in it puns on their door so he bought them the blue and yellow i am a grant fan button nice yeah that's a good one fascinating i feel like i learned or maybe retained as much as i did at hildeen i really you know just really surprising stuff at both sites that i never knew like that the whole train car piece of hildeen that i told you about last time the pullman car was the most interesting part to me. And then this sort of, I don't know, uh, maybe people know this if they're into Civil War history, but I did not know that Grant died of throat cancer and close to home and sort of impoverished and hoping that this would help his family. So these sad but interesting takes. I guess that's why I like history. I don't know. I'm a history fan. I recommend it. Check out our museum passes. Never know what you'll find out. It's true. Even if the pass you don't want is checked in, maybe you're like, oh, I heard about this place. Maybe I'll try this and probably learn something that you never knew before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Grand Cottage is fun because it is it is pretty close, right? And so it's not a day trip. It's just an hour and less than an hour to get there and an hour to, or maybe an hour to get there and then an hour of touring and then an hour home and you're done and you can do something else too. Sometimes it's nice to make a trip of something, and sometimes it's nice to be able to do something you can do and still do other things that day. Yeah. Yeah, this you could do in the morning, and you can go home and do your grocery shopping and, you know, mow your lawn and whatever, or you can uh, take the kids 
take the kids to the uh, Saratoga pool, like the Victoria pool or the other, the other pool, and then leave and go to the Grant Cottage, go to the Grant Cottage, then go to Dave Matthews Bandit's back. <laughs> I don't like Dave Matthews that much, by the way. I just am yeah, teeing at my own year. joke. It's one of the upstate hallmarks of summer. Mm-hmm. Dave Bandit's back. You know it's summer when. That <laughs> meme that's got the upstate New York seasons where it's like, you know, it's like you are here and it's like false uh, spring of deception. Yes. False spring. False spring. Full spring. Second winter. <laughs> the second winter. Third summer. Yep. You guys know the meme. One of the things, one of the seasons should be Dave Matthews season. Yep. Dave Matthews at SPAC. Yep. So I don't know which museum pass we'll talk about next time, but maybe we'll talk about one where you've been there. Yeah. You can tell me good. about a museum, perhaps. <laughs> Have you been to the Via Aquarium? Yes. Did we let the folks at home know that you can get a discount with your library card? We should let people know that. We might but have mentioned have to... that last time, but I don't yeah. know if we did. I don't know if we did. But you have to take it. You have to um, you have to buy your tickets at the door to use the library card discount. Like you can't buy them online ahead of time is right. what you mean, right? Right. Okay. If you want to buy your tickets ahead of time, you can't use the library discount. You have to do, you have to go up to the counter and buy your tickets there. We've tried to, uh, all the libraries in the area have tried to engage with the Via Aquarium and sort of the museum pass way where, you know, you, you pay something and yeah, the pass usually gives you discount or free admission, but they uh, instead compromise with this sort of like show your card and they'll give you the discount at the door. Maybe in some ways more convenient because uh, you don't have to check anything out. You just go with your library card, but not a lot of people know about it. It's true. And when we went, it felt like they were encouraging people to purchase their tickets ahead of time, but it may have still been like, I think it was last, I don't know, COVID was still a problem. I mean, it's still a problem, but I don't think kids were fully vaccinated yet when we went so they were still kind of like purchase your tickets to control crowds and stuff i still haven't been here and i know it's not like a huge aquarium like it's not like the boston aquarium but i would like to go yeah it's not it's it's not as nice as like the boston aquarium but it is it's nice and there's lots of animals and it's fun and they did a good job making it you know you can walk around and pet the stingrays and I'm learning on their website that they have reptiles, though, and that I am not all about. (laughs) It says, meet the reptiles Tuesday through Saturday, but it's an additional ticket. Oh, good. So I don't have to go near the reptiles. That's good. Yeah. Like, there may be rep... I don't remember. I remember they had, like, oxalotls and, you know, some amphibians, but they were in, like, in things just like the aquariums, right? So it's not like you could stick your hand in there or anything. This is a picture of a snake, so I yeah. hope that he's behind, like, extra <laughs> extra admission. But I will tell you, like, I don't like snakes at all, and I did not have a problem with the Via Aquarium. Oh, good. So if they're there, I was able to mostly ignore them. <laughs> or completely ignore them. Ignore the snakes. We yeah. had uh, snakes in the library. We did have snakes in the library. <laughs> Two in the same day, apparently. Yeah. There was a little baby one. I was back in the uh, back staff area, and I was walking down the hallway to bring some cardboard to the back door to go out to the recycling bin. And uh, a coworker 
was in the hallway staring into a doorway and screeched. And I was like, oh, what is it? Thinking like, oh, it's a mouse or something, you know, a bug. And she was like, there's a snake. And I was like, nope. And I, <laughs> I turned back around and walked quickly away. And then our other coworker texted me that night and said there was a second one found somewhere. Um, no sighting since. And so it's yeah. been about, I'd say, three weeks since that happened. So we should be safe, but <laughs> never know. All right. Well, well, that thanks for coming by, Christina. I think we've we've learned a whole lot. I think so, too. <laughs> Happy to share what I learned about Grant Cottage. Happy mm-hmm. to tell the folks at home about our visitors to the library. And hopeful to talk about a museum that maybe both me and Kathleen have been to next time or, you know, Mm -hmm. we'll see. But there's always something cool to check out at GPL. Thanks, Christina. Thanks for having me. Well, that's the end of this episode of How Did You Find It at the Gilderland Library. Thank you for listening. If you... Uh, like the show, please rate it and review it wherever you listen to this podcast. Also, tell a friend. You know, rating and reviewing in your your podcast app helps friends you don't know find the show. You know, we want people to listen. <laughs> if you have ideas or suggestions or questions, please email us at podcast at gilderlandlibrary.org. Thank you for listening. Is it Gansevoort? 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 Gansevoort.